0: how did you get into the new year did you run in with incredible expectation and joy or did you stumble in with uncertainty and struggle you know that january 1st is a false demarcation right that that really there it was January 30, December 31st and January 1st, and um, there really was not something that really occurred the next day, other than the fact that it is a marker for us in a new year. Nothing magical about that day, but it does allow us time to pause, and it makes us think about what has happened as we've moved along in time. Pastor Larry said to me today that time waits for no man. And that's very true, Pastor Larry. Time waits for nobody. But how did you stumble in? Sometimes, I think what we need more than anything is a reminder. We need to pause, and we need a reminder of the simple truths of the faith. We need a reminder Of those things that are fundamental, that are foundational, maybe we need a reminder of the fundamental truth of the faith. So here we are, we stand here today with the Magi as they enter into this, our final message of this series on adoring God, come let us adore Him. In Matthew chapter 2, we find these words. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. I really don't have to read the rest. The next 10 verses. Because most everyone, whether you attend church or not, have some kind of perception of the three wise men, the we three kings, the magi. Some suggest these strange visitors to what is now probably a toddler. I understand what toddlers do. My two year old granddaughter was in my house yesterday. When she left, it took a little while for it to get back to normal. So I, 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 just, I just have this imagination of Jesus as a toddler. Jesus, now stop that. <laughs> Let that sit in your mind for a little bit today. But, but I think that the, 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 these strange visitors might actually be the most easily identified characters, if you will, in this scene at the manger. The imagined descriptions of the rest of the cast are pretty pedestrian. I mean, the baby looks like a baby and the others kind of look like what they're supposed to look like, I guess. But these visitors have a universal perception when you think of the magi, the wise men, you think of camels and crowns and treasure chests. And more than any of the manger figures resting on our table this morning, none are more subject to unfounded speculation than these. Who are they? Who are these people who show up? What would have happened if they didn't? What would have meant? And what could this mean for us today? Well, what we do not know about them far exceeds what we do know. So here are a few details that we don't find in the Bible. The first is, we really don't know where they came from. It does say in our Bibles that they came from the East, but we don't know from the East. I am from the East, I am from New Jersey, I don't think they came from New Jersey. (laughs) Right? I don't think so. There's been great, great debate, speculation, but no definitive answer. I think we have some ideas. Number two, we really don't know who they are, who they were we don't some have translated magi king or astrologer or whomever we we really don't but there is this consensus that they were some kind of highly respected religious leaders who were interpreters of the signs of the times thirdly we really don't know how many we sing that there were three but there might have been 33 just like we really don't know. We know they came from the east. We don't know how many of them there actually were. We don't know their names. Now, they have been assigned names traditionally. Their names assigned to them are Kaspar, Melchior, and Balthazar. I even found a website, a baby-naming website, that made this statement. Melchior appears in the Christian Bible as the name of one of the three wise men. Misinformation not true don't know where they got that from but and and one more I could go on but one more we really don't know what they gave and who gave what totally we can assume based on their gifts that they brought that they had some wealth I think that's a fair assumption but because we don't know if there was three of them I wonder did someone bring like some practical gifts like bread or maybe a toy for the baby Or something else that would be needed, you know, for the mother and for the father? Can't say we know. All of what we don't know about them helps us understand that what we don't know is not actually very important. But what is most crucial is why are they in our Bibles? Why are they there? There are a number of reasons we can assign to that, but why are they there? They do fulfill a number of ancient scriptures. They fulfill the ancient prophet Isaiah's anticipated words from 700 years before. In Isaiah 60, Herds of camels will cover your land, young camels of Midian and Ephah, and all from Sheba will come, bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. Why are they here? Eric Vanden in a recent Christianity Today article said this, they're there as witnesses. I love that. In Matthew, without the Magi, Joseph and Mary, well, they're just at home. But they validate that the birth has taken place and that a specific type of person has been born. You know, every... Every new year, it happened this year, they always highlight the first baby that's born in the new year, right? And everyone gets excited. But you see, the Magi help us understand that a specific type of person has been born. That's why they made a beeline to Jerusalem, to the seat of power, Because we have really spiritualized these guys, but they were not really looking for a spiritual leader. Some speculate they weren't really even looking for God. The truth is, these odd visitors were looking for a king. That's what the text says. They were looking for the king of the jews they were drawn by a star which meant something very specific to their culture and we'll come back to that but yes they were looking for a king a king who would rightly rule and because they were looking for a king this is why we read these words in matthew 2 verse 3 when king herod heard this he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Now, why would he be afraid? Why would Herod be disturbed? Why later on in the story would he try to eliminate any child that fit the description of a male Jewish baby two years and under? Why? Here's why. Because kings don't take kindly to others receiving homage. Kings don't want others to get adulation. They don't want others to sing adore to someone else. And he knew this. Herod knew that kings come for a purpose, and their purpose is to conquer. You see, the wise men were looking for a king. And that's what they found. They found a king who would conquer the world. That's what they found. But but this king would not conquer the world by the misguided ways of self-serving power, as is the norm of kings yesterday and today. And I think this is where the wonder, the title of this sermon is Awaken to the Wonder. I, I think this is where the wonder begins where even you and me are invited to be visitors to the Christ King and rediscover the wonder. Psalm 72 prophetically gives us a hint, I think. It says, Let the desert dwellers bow low before him. Sounds like shepherds to me. Let the kings bring tribute, present present gifts, bow down before him. Let it be so because he delivers the needy. He has compassion on the weak he saves, he redeems. Bow down before him, why? He delivers, he has compassion, he redeems, he saves. Now that's a very different way of conquering. You see, this king, this king that was such a threat to Herod, would conquer, but he would conquer with love. Now let's not understate that statement or sentimentalize it. This was the kind of power, this love was the kind of power that disrupts the ways of the world. It still does. The power that would bring peace greater than what is called the famous Pax Romanus. The peace of Rome, that's what that statement means. But that peace was brought by might and by submission and by suppression of every enemy and voice. It's a peace that's, that's leveraged by weaponizing fear. People were afraid of the empire. And that's really still the way of most kings and politicians and leaders, world leaders. You see, the way of this king, this king that they came to bow to, the way of this king was and is disturbing to the Caesars and the empires of the world. It was, then it is now. Let's get back to that star. Verse 9 says, After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. They haven't yet brought their gifts. They haven't really even seen the baby. All they know is they saw the star, and just seeing the star and where it landed, they said, yes, this is it. Why? Well, you see, these probably are very educated for their day travelers who understood from ancient Middle Eastern literature and culture, including the Jewish Bible, that a star typically was an identifying mark of a king. And so the Jewish leaders of Matthew knew that, but what about the Roman readers of Matthew? The people that were reading this who come and were embedded and were part of the Roman culture. Well, history teaches us that at the heart of the Roman Empire was the idea of the cult of emperor worship. Jesus was born into that. In terms of the roman empire the fastest growing religion at the time was emperor worship it was a misplaced co-opting political co-opting of religious expression where a political leader was looked upon as god or able to do what god could do for the people let that be a warning to us The Caesar in charge at this time was Augustus Caesar, and he gave himself a title. You know what title he gave himself? Son of God. But on the back of every Roman coin, where even his face would be, there was one image. A star. That's what an actual Roman coin looked like, with that star on the back. Not just any star, but what they called the Julian Star. And you see, the history of that is this. A star or comet appeared in the sky right around the time when Julius Caesar was assassinated in 44 B.C. So from that time forward, the official religion or the official belief of the Roman Empire was that that star in 44 B.C. proved that Julius Caesar was divine. That he was God and that all the Caesars were God. And so now think about that. This journey these magi are on was about finding the most powerful king the culture could imagine. Follow that star, and if you find that, you'll find the true emperor, you'll find the divine emperor. So no wonder they went to Jerusalem first. It's a seat of power. But that is where they were mistaken. And they they made their course correction after the the priests, the Hebrew priests, informed Herod and them. As they quoted, Micah chapter 5. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And that is what they found. A ruler a king they found the true Emperor of the world think about that so no wonder they went they were overjoyed what was their response to finding the true Emperor of the world they did what everyone does in the presence of a king right what everyone does they were amazed, they were marvelled, they were lost in wonder, love and praise and they worshipped him. All of that to ask us this. Am I lost in wonder, love and praise for Jesus? Am I caught In the wonder of it all. The wonder of Jesus. What is the wonder of Jesus? You know, it's really hard to let our hearts wonder. It's hard to let wonder win our hearts. This world wants to steal that from us. In this world that's performative and pragmatic and efficient, we don't have a lot of time for wonder. The world around us does not encourage the wonder of the soul. We are much like the uninformed wise men. We are often like them searching for something that will bring the most meaning in life in the wrong place. So we think the halls of power may do it and leverage them to get what we think we want, so we head to Jerusalem. We think false religion would do it, that we could tailor to what we want religion to be, what we even want our Christian faith to be, what we can consume and add to our lives, so we follow the stars. We think wealth may buy our way, so we fill our wallets. But beloved, let your heart wonder. The prophet Isaiah says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. What an understatement. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Notice the Lord rises upon that very darkness. You see, the simple wonder of who this baby actually is does something to these travelers, something that they needed. Do you think think that Jesus, the infant, toddler Christ, needed them to worship Or do you think these magi needed to worship? See, here is my belief. Once they realize who Jesus is, once they get it, as they put the pieces of the puzzle together, I believe they marvel at the love of God. And now their new love for who they now know as the true Son of God, the true Savior, the truest of all emperors. And I believe they just get lost in that. If the day of these searching visitors does anything, it calls us back, it awakens us, it awakens me to wonder, to the wonder of Jesus And at the heart of the wonder of Jesus is the wonder of God's love. We need some place. We need a touchstone in a world that's shifting. In a world that's not solid ground. We need a touchstone to put our feet on and go, yes, that's not gonna move. And that, is the wonder of God's love. Do you know how often we are called in the Bible to wonder about the love of God? How often, over and over and over and over the Bible tells us to do that? Like the wise men, it's really not what we bring. It is that we bring ourselves to the king and it is not what we have, but it is what he gives us. So let these words of scripture just roll over your heart. Wherever your heart is today, where is your heart today? How would you answer that question if suddenly you were posed that question before some audience with God? How is your heart today? How's my heart today? Let these words conquer your heart. Lamentations 3, 22. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. His compassions never fail. Amen? Amen? Hear that, friends. His compassions never... Because the Lord's great love, we're not consumed. Guess what? There's not a Caesar, there's not an empire that can give you that. Only the truest of kings. Because his great love does not fail. Never, never, never. Enduring love. 1 John 4, 16, I stumbled upon these words several weeks ago. I keep finding my way back to them. So we know, hear hear the language, we know and we rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Here, we know, we rely. We can't do without this. Living in the love of God. That word live, the Greek word there, literally means to be present. It means to stay with. It means to be present to. It means being present in life as God's beloved child. It means staying with it, staying with the thought of God's love, staying with the reality of God's love, love as the basis for life. That's what it means. I love to tell the story, right? The old hymn goes. We need to tell the story to ourselves over and over and over again because the narratives around us do not tell this story. And then, maybe the words that are like exploding on the page about the wonder of the love of god about why us want wondering about this just lost in wonder love and praise apostle paul writing from jail ephesians 3 words that are actually reserved for this time of year i pray that you hear it again being rooted and established in love hear it rooted and established in love that's That's deep. That's going into the depth of who I am as a person. May have power together. That's us as a people, not in isolation. We discover the truth of the love of God together. Together with all of the Lord's holy people. To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love, the word know there means experiential knowledge that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Filled with what? With his love and the power of his presence. That's the clearest definition of holiness I know. Those are the words that led me to surrendering my heart and life to Christ and asking him to fill me, sanctify me, capture my spirit. And then these words. Second Thessalonians 3 May the Lord lead your hearts into a full understanding and expression of the love of God. Understanding it and expressing it. Why? Because then there's patient endurance that comes from Christ. If there's ever a day when we need resilience, this is the day. We live in a day lacking resilience. But this reminds us that the love of God isn't just some quaint little idea or warm feeling but rather the love of God when we lock ourselves into that we then find resilience that otherwise we don't have it's so critical so critical living in this wonder-stealing world that we have my friend brother David Breyhoff writes these words May you know that you belong to God, that you have been chosen by God in love, that God's love surrounds you on every side and in every circumstances of life, and that that love can never fail or be taken from you. You are loved unconditionally, now and forever. Abide in that love. Draw strength from it every day. Rest in it every night. Whatever you're going through right now, of this you can be sure. You are deeply loved by God. And always will be. Hear that. Receive it. Let it roll over your soul. Whatever you're going through right now, of this you can be sure you are deeply loved by God and always will be. God will never forsake you. Amen. So that's where we sit today. We sit with these visitors and we need to be awestruck. We need to allow our minds to be awakened. We need to allow our hearts to lean into the wonder of this King who comes conquering with love. As we enter this year, let this be the year where we become certain of one thing. I made the statement last week that there's so much we're uncertain of, there's so much uncertainty in the world, it defeats the God of certainty so we need to receive that as grace but of this we can be certain in fact these witnesses who came to jesus really point to this truth for god so loved the world do you want something to step on want something to put your foot on when everything is shifting for God so loved the world when everything around you feels like it's pointing in the opposite direction for God so loved the world every person every race every people group every household every home And here, and you, and me, for God so loved the world. They came looking for the king who fulfilled that. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Yes, these magi were witnesses, they were witnesses to the love of God for all mankind. And as Michiel Levine said, may we be astonished and overjoyed both by God's dazzling light and by what God's light grows in us. Let love, not sentimentalized feelings, not romanticized notions, not milquetoast imaginations, but the power of conquering love, God's love conquering your heart and my heart, lead us to wonder, to marvel, to be astonished, and to be resilient. In Christ. Here it is. Do you know this love today? Better question. Do you know this king today? And is this king the king of your life? There's an awful lot in this world, my friends you know this, that can hijack your hope, that can steal your peace, that can hijack your joy, and yes, that can blunt your love. But as a friend recently remarked to me, because of Jesus' arrival, we are held together in the great storms and disappointments of our earthly lives, resting in the assurance that all ends well one day. Why? Because of what we we were saying earlier, because Jesus reigns. He's the King. He's the conquering King. And that's why we must bow, because Jesus reigns as King with His conquering love over the worst of fears, the hardest of circumstances, the deepest of disappointments, the most strangling bouts of grief, the most disorienting events in our world. Jesus Christ is King. And Jesus' love. My friends, will prevail. Will prevail. His love will prevail. So there's only one response to the wonder of that kind of love from this kind of king, one. And they bowed down and worshipped him. Our worship team is going to come. And we're going to sing about the wonder of this love. This amazing love. They bowed down and worshipped him. So, I end where I started as we close out this series. How did you enter the new year? Did you come running in with enthusiasm or did you come stumbling in with pain. Oh, come, let us adore the King who loves us with an everlasting love. And today, if you say, I don't know this love, I want to invite you today to a simple prayer. Whether you have been a Christian for decades or you've never truly Gave your heart and life to him. The prayer is simply this. O Jesus. Be my king. And conquer my heart. With your love. Lord we just pray that today. We pray that you will be our king. Conquer my heart. With your love. Build in me the strength of resilience based off of your love. And may, Lord God, I be caught up in the wonder, love, and praise to our King. You are Lord Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together and sing. In a moment, I'll offer you a benediction as we come to the end of this sermon series. So what do we do with this now, King? Next week, we start a new series that's going to take us to Lent. It's going to take us through the entire season of Epiphany. Check the newsletter this week. There's going to be a little blurb in there, and all the psalms are going to be listed, but we are going to be preaching psalms all through the next several weeks. And next week, we're going to start with being open to God. So I'd like you to start praying about what does it mean for me to be open to God? in these days. And we're gonna move in that direction. Invite someone you know who's searching for God and say, what does it mean to be open to God? And we're just gonna kind of plunge into that next week. But as you go today, the love of God is more than just an idea. It's more than just an emotion. It is bound up in the person of Jesus. And when we have Jesus, his love is on board. To strengthen us, as the hymn writer just sang for us. But hear these words, I quoted them from another translation during my message, but from the New American Standard Bible, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 5, and receive this as our benediction. May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God. And may the Lord direct your heart into the steadfastness of Christ, the love of God and the steadfastness of Christ. Let us go in this truth. Let us go in his presence. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.